Amen. We're honored to be with you tonight, and I hope that you'll open your heart and just receive from the Lord. And uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of nights that we've ministered, we're just, just delighted to be here and to believe that God's got something great in store for each and every one of us. And uh, before I start tonight, I just, on behalf of my wife and myself, like to pa- uh, thank uh, Pastor Paul and Vanessa and the leadership that allowed us to come. We've been in the Maritimes now for 46 years. I'm a Saskatchewan boy. Married a farm girl, and uh, on, our, on our honeymoon was leaving Saskatchewan, coming to where we thought Canada never existed, into the Maritimes. And uh, we thought her mom would phone us all the time, thought we'd be back within a year. Well, she gave up after a few years. We've been here 46 years, and God has given us a phenomenal ministry. Some of you might not know, but I start, we started a church here, and uh, it went beyond what I ever thought. Hundreds and hundreds of people come in. We just saw God do so many supernatural things. I'm a preacher's kid. My dad pastored churches, but every six, seven years, he had to change churches. God gave me the privilege. I only pastored one in my life. I was able to stay there for 38 years until God put another call on my life. I was sitting in a board meeting one night. Everything was going great, and I heard the Lord say, I'm asking you to give up the church because I want to send you to the churches to stir up something that the best is yet to come. Amen? Because I tell you, many, many Many of us are in for years, we think, well, the, we, we've had the good old days and not around. I'm telling you what God's about to do is well, a whole lot better than the good old days. Amen? Amen? And we've got to release our faith and believe for it. And so my call is kind of take what is dead and try and resurrect it and bring it to life. That's a challenging call sometimes. But anyway, that's what God put in my heart, and I'm trying my best to do it throughout the world. Number two, the second part of the call was to go to uh, pastors around the world and encourage them not to quit, not to give up, because God's about to do something great within their lives, so I travel around the world. So it's an honor for me to have my wife, Memphis. She travels with me about 35% of the time. Many times I come home, dump my suitcase, get my clothes washed, pack it up, and I'm leaving again. She says, I can't do that. So uh, I give her a choice. I give her my schedule, say, wherever you want to go, let me know. She always picks the places where there's good shopping. So I'm still working on to get her spiritual too, okay? But... uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to have her with, with me tonight. And I head home uh, tomorrow morning. I'm home for a few days, then I head to Atlanta. I, uh, I'm going to be at, a, at a, a youth conference. I still can't believe a 60-year-old guy is called to youth conferences. But uh, I might be 68 years old of age, but I'm telling you, there's some, something in me that I still got some life. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I can still shout and whatever. And I tell you, no young buck is going to out-preach me. I don't care. I'm going to be like Caleb and Joshua. I'm going to take my mountain. I'm saying, you young guys, you take your own mountain. I'm taking mine. I don't need your help. We're going to take and do something great for God. Amen? So that's what's in my spirit. God put it there, and I just can't let it out. Some people said, why don't you slow down? What does that mean? My wife's at me all the time. I'm always moving at pace. I'm usually always pretty well the first to get on an airplane. I'm pretty well the first out of my seat when the plane stops because I, I'm one that lives in, um, in a place that I just I can't stand lineups. I don't want to get on the plane and have to put my suitcase way at the back because someone took my spot up top that I have to wait, you know. So she says, you run over people. I said, no, I don't. I give them a split second to move. If they don't, I move. <laughs> right? Well, I haven't ran over anybody yet, but uh, God gave me a wife to try and slow me down. 46 years of marriage, it still hasn't happened. So I don't know if it's going to, but anyway, we have a good marriage. We get along, and God has just used our lives uh, immensely, and so we're thrilled about it. But I'm glad to be here. So thank you, Pastor Paul, for bringing me in. I hope I didn't wreck your church. Uh, this is my last night, so I'm letting loose tonight, buddy. It's going gonna, 
we're either, either going to have something happen here. We're either going to have a riot or we're going to have a Holy Ghost fire come down upon us. But God wants to do something. Amen. Because I believe Monday nights is a night that God just wants to stir things up. I said to you last night that if God can do something Monday night, he can do it any time. So I'm hoping that you'll open your heart and believe that God will do something great within your spirit. And so I go to Atlanta, then I stay down there, and then I come back, and I go to The Rock. You know where that is? I go to Newfoundland for a few days, and then I go to Africa. I'm in Africa for two weeks, then I go to Sweden, then I go to Norway, and then I come home, and then I go back to uh, Tennessee, I think we go, and then I go to California, then back to Africa, and, uh, uh, and to Estonia, and then I hope it's Christmas by then, okay? So... Uh, the reason I said all that, would you pray for us as we go? It's a challenging thing. I gave up a church on my own. Most of the things I do overseas, I have to raise the funds for. And uh, I just have to trust God all the time. And God speaks to the hearts of men and women to help. I used to have a church that helped me, but God said, I want you to let it go. And uh, it was a hard thing. I tell you, it was a lot harder the second time to answer the call of God. The first time we're starting with nothing. My dad always said, if you start with something, the worst it can be, you can end up with nothing. Well, after we saw a church go and the Lord said, walk away from it, I want you to do something else. I tell you, it was a big challenge for us in a way, but I knew it was the call of God. So I want you to pray with us. Would you do that? Don't forget us because we leave. We believe that God will do something great to just help us to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God's put within our hearts. Amen. And so thank you for being so warm to us and receiving us. We appreciate it so much. I'm telling you, I'm saying this to help you. You've been a great audience to talk to. I believe that God's stirring something in the house. Don't let it go. Don't let it be stolen. Don't let the enemy devour it. Don't let religious spirits enter the house to, to, to take it away because God's about to do something. I'm in churches. I, this might sound off. When I'm in churches, it'd be easier to preach to a pile of rocks out in the field. I'm not kidding you. And, um, but God tells me to go there because even the Bible says the rocks will cry out if people don't, right? And so I believe that God can use anybody. But I just want to thank you for your support and help and believing with us. And I just believe that God's got great things, Pastor Paul, in the house. I just want to push you to believe God. Just get reckless, man, and go for it. I think you've got people to go with it and believe God for supernatural things. Sometimes people say to me, well, what kind of life? Is it kind of boring what you do? Man, I, it's not boring. You know, some people say, well, if you come to the Lord, it's going to be a boring life. Well, I probably have one of the most exciting lives that you could ever live. I was, I was just telling some of the people who I was out with the other night that I, um, I was over in Africa, and I was speaking all week long, and I finished Saturday night, and I went back to my hotel room, and the rooms that I stayed over there probably, well, they're not very good. And um, I cannot take malaria pills because I'm allergic to it, so I have to trust God that I can kill every mosquito in my room and whatever. And so when I get back into my room after the day, I put towels under the doors and I seal everything off. And I came back this particular night, and um, there's a bunch of stories I could tell you, but I just want to tell you this one. And I saw a mosquito in the ceiling. The ceiling was 10 feet, and I recognized I couldn't reach it. So I got up in a chair, and I still couldn't get high enough. So I got off the chair, grabbed the pillow off the bed. I got up there, and I was going to let it go and knock it. And so I did. I let it go. That, the chair tipped on me. I lost balance on the chair. I was up against the hotel room, the second floor. Great big one. I grabbed the curtain, took the whole window out. I smashed the whole window. My body went halfway out the window. If it wasn't for the curtains, I'd have been down, down on, the floor, on, the, on the ground. The outdoor restaurant for that little hotel was out there. Glass went flying all down on the tables and everything. Someone thought it must have been a big fight over there. But anyway, uh, I mean, I made a big hole. The mosquitoes get in, but uh, God protected us. And uh, when I left the hotel, they made me pay for the window, but I got away and got it back home. But anyway, it was great. And the next day, Sunday morning, I went to church. And the church was packed. I mean, 
people were, I was standing like here, the people right up here, you couldn't even give an altar call, friend. It was just packed full of people. I preached that, that morning on the power of the name of Jesus because there's no name like the name Jesus. I talked about salvation. People responded except Christ in their lives. People that were bound and, and uh, needed to be set free. I just saw God do put all things in healings. And then as I was standing there, everybody was standing. I saw this woman way at the back. Her eyes set on my eyes, and she started to come. And she pushed herself through the crowd and came up. And over there, they don't dress like us. They believe they're coming into the presence of the king of kings. And everybody over there that does not have the money like we have, they dress in suits. And I mean, the ladies are dressed to the nines because they believe they're coming into the presence of the king. Now, we might not understand that, but they say, hey, I'm coming in the, into the presence of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And they just, so they told me, you better have a suit on. So I had a suit on. I had a tie. My knot was that big. That woman come up to me and stared at me doing it. And I knew right away I had demons on my hands. She grabbed my tie and started to pull on her to choke me. When she finished, my knot was about that big. Now, I never, I never got fearful that she was going to choke me to death, but I said, man, oh, man, what am I going to do here? Two great big guys came and tried to pull her off. They couldn't break her grip on my, on my, on my tie. And I just stood there, and I hear, you might not understand this, but I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over that spirit. You're broken in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the power of God hit her. She went down the floor, and I watched those demons flow out of her, and that woman got up as a brand-new person. So my story, my story is this, amen. My story is the devil tried to take me out, out the window on Saturday night, and a woman tried to take me out on Sunday, but I'm here to talk to you tonight, amen. And believe God for great things. And there's a whole lot of stories I could tell you, so don't think I live a dull life. It's kind of exciting, and, uh, but we just need to trust God all the time. We're many times in places where our lives are at risk, but God keeps his hand upon us because we recognize what we're doing is bigger than ourselves. Amen? That God wants to do something great in every one of your lives. And I tell you, you turn it all over to God and you'll live an exciting life. You really will. Well, I'm not here to tell stories tonight, but I just want to tell, let you know that, you know, it's a fun when you put thank God first in everything. I kind of rustled a little bit what I was going to talk about tonight. I, uh, when you go out to speak like this, there's many things that go through your heart. I wanted to maybe talk tonight about don't let go of your song. Because it's one thing to sing songs in church when everybody's singing and the words are on the board. It's another thing to have a song within your heart. What has happened many times, the disappointments and the discouragement of life want to rob us of the song that's deep down inside. My mother told me that when Second World, was, World War was over, she was working in Toronto. She said when they heard the war was over, everybody left their place, their job, and ran out in the streets. And the first thing he started to do was sing. I tell you, God wants to restore the song to men and women in the church to sing again. So I was going to talk about that. Then I was going to talk about don't lose your faith because the number one thing that's happening in our churches today is that we have a theological faith, but we've lost our act of faith. Jesus Christ is more concerned about an act of faith than a theological faith. You might be able to explain your faith, but is it active? Let me just tell you this quickly too. Here's my point. This is not my sermon. I'll get to it in a minute. But let me, let, let my water go, I'm getting thirsty here. One thing about it, I got to Moncton here, I've been thirsty ever I got here, so I mean, I must be dry and I need a refresh touch from God, but anyway, we'll keep drinking here. One of the things I want to tell you, Jesus never once asked if you're a believer. Never. He always asked, do you believe? The problem today is when we're challenged with our faith, I have Christians say, well, I'm a believer. 
That don't mean a whole lot to God. You might be a believer, but you're an unbelieving believer. Because if we had faith, we can move mountains. And what God's trying to stir is our faith to believe again that all things are truly possible. And God's trying to awaken the church again. So a theological faith, you might explain it, but an act of faith, that's why the Bible says without faith you cannot please God. And we need to have a faith to believe that no matter what goes on, the biggest battle I go through in my life is the enemy trying to steal my faith. Because if he can get your faith, he can get everything else. You hear what I'm saying? Now the reason we don't pray the way we should because we don't have faith to believe that prayer can make a difference. Come on now. The reason many times we do not worship the way we should because we don't believe that, pray, uh, that uh, worship can pull down strongholds. The reason sometimes we struggle with our giving unto God is because we don't believe given it shall be given. It's all a faith issue. And the devil knows this, that if he can steal your faith, he knows he can get everything else. That's why we've got to hold on to our faith. It's vital and important. Then I was going to talk tonight about don't lose your hope. Because we need to recognize we have faith and love, but we've got to have a hope. Hope makes all things possible. We've got to hold on to hope. No matter what you're going through, whatever's gone into your personal life, into your marriage, whatever, you need to have a hope. One of the greatest thrills, this is one story real quick, that impacted my life. I just, just before I stepped down, I had a couple come into my office, sat down on the sofa in my office. They were holding hands. We went through the night, little chit-chat, whatever, and I said, what can I do for you? And the young lady looked at me and she said, we're here because we've got to get a divorce. Get a divorce? You're holding hands. You're sitting beside one another. Most times a couple come in, one sitting on this sofa, and the other one sitting over here, and they're sitting there holding hands. We've got to get a divorce. I was stunned. I hardly knew what to say. And I said, well, man, you've got to explain this. I have no idea. You're sitting there Googling one another. Why are you getting a divorce? Because they said, we met online. And the lady said, I walked away from a Christian marriage fall in love with this guy and he did the same thing and he said we got married but we've been sitting in church the last several months and God's been convicting us that we need to break up this marriage and go back to our spouses and see it restored within six months the divorce came through and I was able to remarry them in the church there wasn't a dry eye in the place as God so no matter how bad it might look no matter how God far it's gone God can restore and revive if we have faith and I tell you, if you're here tonight and you've gone through a disappointing time, I want you to know that God can restore faith and do something great. But tonight I want to talk about something. I thought I at least need to talk a little bit about the theme that the pastor has, come and get your fill. So tonight I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe, listen to me, I believe in our Pentecostal churches, we have the name of Pentecost, but we've lost the power of Pentecost. And I believe in the world that we're living, if there's anything that we need to get a grip on for our own personal lives, for our families, and to survive, is that you cannot do it by yourself. You need the anointing of the Spirit of God within your life. And so I've come tonight to prod you and prick you and, store and to stir you and do whatever I can that we cannot let go of it. We cannot let go of it. I preach a message that, I, uh, that I've themed, The Forgotten God. We know that God is in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of talk about the Father, which I understand we need, a lot about Christ. But we have found in our Pentecostal churches there's been a lack of talking about the third one, the Spirit of God. 
We need to recognize that he is not to be the forgotten God because he is the one that gives the power and authority. And even Jesus said, I must return to heaven that I might send the helper. Basically, he's saying you can't survive without the helper within your life. I don't care what anybody says. They can have a whole bunch of uh, words and cliches and whatever. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to live an overcoming life. Amen? And so I'm going to talk about it tonight. I'm going to come straight at you. Is that okay? And I'm going to talk about it in a different way, but I want to talk about come, get your fill. You'll find out in a moment what I want to share. I want you to take your Bible tonight. I hope you brought it with you. And turn with me. I'm going to start in the Old Testament, but I want you to turn with me to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Would you look there? Because I want to look at the Word of God because it's important that we see the significance of what God says. You might forget my words, but God's given us something in his word. I want to begin at chapter 7, verse 1. I want to read. Here we're finding after the temple was built, God laid out the temple, and he said to them, I want you to come and dedicate. It was under the time of Solomon. Here's what it says. And when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory, got a pen, you need to underline this, and the glory of the Lord filled. What did it fill? The temple. Fill the temple. Now, verse 2, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Something filled the house. Then go with me as Paul picks it up in Ephesians. Paul is talking to the church here. The church by now is going through some challenges because things are being, were rising up against the church and Paul wanted to encourage the church. And here's what he says to the church at Ephesus. I can't read it all, but I want to read just a few verses starting at verse 14. Therefore, he says, I'm in chapter 5. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let me stop now. He's not talking to the world here. He's talking to the church. That the possibility is that the church will go to sleep. The church will become dead. And he's given an exhortation here. Church, arise from the dead, for Christ will give you light. Now, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 18, now watch this. And do not be drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. The translation here is not be filled once, but be continuously filled continuously filled then i want to go back to one that i almost find it a struggle to read it because it's kind of our pentecostal slogan we know where it is but acts chapter 2 and i like to read it because i believe it's important here's what it says in acts chapter 2 and when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues of the fire, and one of them sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, I'll stop there and I'll go on after. Here we find that when God set it up, he recognized that man would not be able to make it on his own. There was talk in the Old Testament, though we don't see the greatest part of it until we get into the New Testament, for what Jesus did upon the cross, he opened the door to help man come to the point that through the power of what Jesus did on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. If man's greatest problem was money, God would have sent an entrepreneur. If man's greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent an entertainer. But man's greatest need was sin, so God sent a Savior. We need to recognize a thing that your life is jammed up with and mine was that there is sin and the only one that can take. You can try and be good all you want. But you need to recognize Jesus came to die upon a cross to bring redemption to mankind. That's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Every other religion is rules and don'ts that we do it on our own effort, but Jesus paid the price that we are set free. The do's and don'ts that we have is not to make us right with God. It's because we are right with God. We want to live in a way that we can please and honor Him. Are you with me? And so we need to understand that God knew that we needed the power of the Spirit of God to be able to overcome the things that come into our lives. And so He sets it up that when Jesus departed, that he asked them to go to, to what we know to Jerusalem, the upper room, and there he would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, my theme is fill her up. Fill her up. A while back, my wife and I were in Los Angeles, California. We were down there, and we had a day that we had to ourselves. It was kind of a, a break day for us. And so we said, let's, we rented a car and said, let's tour a little bit around the city. It was a wonderful day for Gloria and I just to share it together. As we drove around in the car, seeing the different sights, we found that as the day was beginning to come to an end, we were downtown in probably an area that we shouldn't have been. But because we were enjoying one another, we lost kind of focus of the time and what was going on, and we were laughing in the car together. We were just like honeymooners again, laughing and, and talking together. It was one of those times that I can remember. It was a great opportunity we had just to laugh and and have a joyful time because many times there's responsibilities and pressures. But it was just a fun, romantic, lovely time. I didn't want you there at that time. I just wanted her. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And we're having a wonderful time. And as the day slipped by, talking one another, laughing in the car, telling things that happened to us maybe when we were dating, whatever. It was just a great time. I looked at the dash. And the gauge said, it said fumes. That's how empty it was. I'm down in a part, I think it was East L.A., where there's all kinds of gangs. You should never be down there, but I didn't know I was there. I looked at the dash, and I realized that I was out of gas. Now, I'm still going, but I knew it was going to come pretty quick. I had to make a quick decision. Do I tell my wife they're out of gas, or do I say nothing? Then I have to make another decision. If I do run out of gas before I get to a gas station, do I leave her with a car that someone doesn't steal the tires, or do I take, me, take her with me 
that they steal the whole car. So I, 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 was, I said, what if I leave her there and someone comes and takes her and rapes her or whatever? If I take her, I lose the car. And I was going through this and finally I looked at her and I said, Gloria, we are on fumes. And I tell you, I, 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 I just kept driving. I had no idea where it was. It seemed like every block I turned and whatever, I could not find a gas station anywhere. Now, some of you travel in the States, it's a whole lot different down there. It is in Canada. And finally, after about 10 minutes, I turned the corner and there was a gas station. It was dim lights. It had bars on. You could not go in. You had to stick your hand in. And there was a whole bunch of Afro-Americans standing around about six about eight feet tall, about 450 pounds, I'm exaggerating now, but they were standing, I said, man, this white guy gets out, I'm in big trouble. I got out of the car, I said, I have no choice, I got out, I gave him some money, we filled it up, I said, fill it up. We got back in the car, and as soon as I turned the ignition on, watch this now, the atmosphere with no laughter, with no talking, suddenly changed. We were laughing again. We were talking again. And the only thing that made the difference was a tank that was full. I wonder sometimes if in the church of Jesus Christ we've lost our song and the desire that we have to share lives with one another because many times we're living on empty tanks. We don't know how to talk. We're, we're living in fear. We're living in anxiety. We're living in what's going to happen tomorrow. I deal with some people worrying about what's happening next week. They haven't even got through today. Because when you live with an empty tank, you're worried about everything. You worry about what hasn't happened and what's going to happen. But when the tank is full, it might not change the world, but you walk through a world knowing that there's something inside that nothing can harm you when your trust is in the Almighty God. See, now we have self-serve. That takes away a little bit, of, but I remember one of the jobs I had when I was a teenager, I pumped gas. And I learned something, that people come in, and I loved it when they rolled down the window. That was before there was even electric windows. But they rolled down the window, and I'm out in the heat, and the guy looks at me and says, fill her up! Man, that was a lot better because if I had to put $2, $3, I had to watch because it just didn't shut off. I had to watch to make sure. But he said, fill it up. I could put that thing on there and let her go and fill it up. When I was dating my wife, we didn't have a whole lot of money, so I'd probably never fill the car up in my life. You drive in, put a dollar in it, and you go and you go cruising down the street. You have to come back in about a half hour, put another dollar in it. And you go cruise another half hour, come back, put another dollar in it, and keep going. Well, you might as well fill it up in the beginning because it took all your money. But I'm telling you, my very friend, what God's looking for today is his church to rise up and every individual say, Lord, fill it up again. Fill it up again. Now, let me give you another point. I have never seen anybody yet hesitate to go into a a gas place and sit on the street and say, I hope nobody sees me going in. This is embarrassing. He said, I'm going to fill it. Nobody does it. We drive up to the pumps. We stop the car and get out and say, fill her up. Why is it when we come into church, we kind of want to be sneaky about it that we don't want anybody to know that maybe our tanks have gone dry? Come on now. And we live in that dry state when a world is oppressing and pulling us into a culture 
that does want to do nothing else but to devour and destroy. If you're naive to think that the world's on your side, you better get your head straightened out. Everything is to suck life. To suck life. And the only way we're going to survive is by the power of the Spirit of God. And what God's looking for today in our Pentecostal churches and throughout the land, in every church, that we will come again and say, Lord, fill it up. Fill it up. Most of us just want enough that we can get by. When God says, I want to fill it up to overflowing, that supernatural things can happen in your life. So tonight, for the next few moments, I want to talk about filling it up, and I pray that God will stir something in your heart, that tonight you'll recognize that when God begins to fill it up, everything changes. Your marriage will change, your life will change, your testimony will change, and how you see the things of God will change when your tank is filled. Amen? And the joy of the Lord will be our strength. I want to start with this. i got to do this real quick because i I got so many things I want to talk to you about this. But filling it up. Acts chapter 2 says that it filled the house. And it said it filled them. But i got to go back to help you understand something to bring it to that moment. When we read the Word of God, we find that God presented in the Word many times the significance of preparation. One of the tragedies today is we don't like to prepare so we get in a mess, especially men. You notice all that stuff we have to bring home that they don't put together anymore, you've got to put it together? I'll guarantee you most men in here, we start to try and put it together without reading the instructions. Come on. Right? I'm, I'm guilty. I, I, saw, I tell Gloria, I can do this. I don't need to read instructions. Let's take 10 minutes of a time. I'm not doing that. I get about eight minutes into it and I got things left over and I have no idea where they're supposed to go, whatever. I got to dismantle and start all over because most of us don't like preparation. We don't. Why is it many churches, they have, like I don't know if you do here, so I can't say, but many churches have what they call a prayer time before the Sunday morning service to set the atmosphere of the house. Most people will not come to the preparation time then they wonder why they get nothing out of the service. Oh boy, I can see that. I better come back here and stand here. And just, uh, just let not let you hit me, okay? Because preparation is important. Before God told Moses how to establish what we know as the tabernacle, he prepared the pattern for him how to do it. He didn't just go out and say, here's what we're going to do. When God gave the plans to David and his son Solomon built it, there was preparation. They went to the people and said, let's bring our offerings. Let's bring what we need to make this happen. There was preparation. When he laid out how the sacrifices were being given to God, there was preparation. Preparation. Now watch this. And even before God sent Jesus into the world, the Savior of the world, he sent John the Baptist to prepare ye the way of the Lord. God puts a high premium on preparation. Somewhere we have been deceived that it's not that important. And yet we need to recognize it is. So we as Pentecostals, I don't know, maybe some of you from another church, but we as Pentecostals, 
we don't pay a whole lot of attention to. We just want to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 1, one to, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. And we, that's our great verse. And we want to read that and say, that's what put us together, bless God. And I found out that many times we are not finding the fulfillment of Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, because we have never allowed chapter 1 of Acts become the chapter of preparation for what took place in chapter 2. I don't know. I don't think math has changed. Because one always comes before two but because we want to jump to two like we call the big stuff we have neglected what takes place in chapter two or one thus when we come to chapter two we might have a theological understanding but maybe we have never received all that's in there that god wants to do for us am i doing okay you're with me thus far we're, we're going to get this okay hang on because i'm trying to help you with something so we need to recognize that in the world right now that we live, we're, as I said on Sunday, we're living in a different world. How many heard the news of what just happened in, in, in Orlando? Did you hear that, everybody? Did you hear this, though, today? I think it happened in Canada. That someone, I think, was with LBGT got on and said, the reason it happened, it's the Christians' fault. Now, how ridiculous and retarded can we get? The attack is on no other religion but Christianity. Because Jesus Christ has the power to make a difference. Several years ago, as you know, I pastored in Halifax. Several years ago, many of you probably remember this, the news, the Swiss airplane went down over in Peggy's Cove. When they had the memorial, they had every religion there and whatever. And our government told the Christian minister he could not pray in the name of Jesus. Our country, you cannot pray in the name of Jesus. A new statistic has just come out that 85% of religious persecution is against Christians. Christians. You need to recognize, friend, our world is becoming very humanistic in every, every dimension. Our government, our politics has become humanistic. The judicial system is becoming humanistic. We don't need God. We can do it ourselves. And it's amazing. Can I get a little close to you guys tonight with something? Don't get mad at me, okay? I could use a lot of illustrations. I'm going to use this. A while back, maybe it's about two years ago, three RCMP officers were killed in this city. Right? And here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing. We've taken prayer out of our schools and out of our legislature buildings without anybody to pray, but when those guys were slaughtered, our politicians are on saying, hey, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. Who are we going to pray to, a rock? Because we told God to get lost, we told God to get out, who are we going to pray to? Who are we going to pray to? And a world that is becoming more intimidating all the time, that's silencing our voices, that we're pushed back in a corner, you will never survive unless you are constantly filled with the power of the Spirit of God. You have to have it. You have to have it. It's the only way we'll survive. The disciples who walked with Jesus and heard firsthand the principles of the kingdom and saw firsthand signs and wonders and miracles, when Jesus was hung on the cross, they all bailed out and went and hid. And the only thing that changed them was when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
They came and threatened them, said, don't you ever preach in that name again. They went back and had a prayer meeting, went right back on the streets and kept preaching. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter was confronted by a little girl over fire and said, hey, you're one of them. He denied Jesus three times, and the last time he took God's name in vain and cursed God. But when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood before the masses, and he was able to declare the glory and the power of God that 3,000 got saved the first time he gave a message, and he never recanted from that day on. What was the difference? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we never need to ever so often have times in the church that we fill her up. We need to recognize that we leak because we still live with a human nature. That God wants to come and fill us up like your, your slogan is, come get your fill. Don't get enough just to survive another day. Believe that God can do something in your spirit to bring resurrection life that you can stand up against the onslaughts of hell that are coming in our nation. I had to go to the high school a while back, a few years ago, and uh, they wanted to talk to me from a minister's perspective. And when it was all over, I can't, I think it was about the whole thing, the gay thing they wanted me to talk about and everything. It wasn't as bad as it was now. And when it was over, this little teacher came up to me. She must have been about that high. And she started letting me have it. And she had such a spirit, and I hate to admit this, but I have to tell you, I got intimidated. And I looked at her and I thought, I could grab her and put her on a coat hanger rack and hang her there. And yet there was a spirit that was coming out of here like a giant to silence my voice. Well, I kind of got my breath a second wind around and gave my two cents worth in there too. But what I'm trying to tell you, friend, I stood there with this little runchy little woman standing there and feeling intimidated. I probably could have kicked her like a football and kicked her 45 feet. And yet I was intimidated. Because you're not up against flesh and blood. We're up against powers and principalities. How are we going to stand for our kids? How are we going to stand when it's infiltrating our schools? How are we going to stand when laws are being changed that is going against everything that we stand for, that our forefathers came to this land called Canada because they were looking for freedom where they could worship and serve God? We're not trying to put our ways on people, but we're going to preach there's a way of deliverance and a power that can work in a person's life. You do not have to live in bondage, and we can be free. But how do we have a message if we don't have ourselves filled with the Spirit of God? Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you now. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't care if I preach three points again tonight. I'm just going to talk to you. Even in my own church at home, I've been out of there now for three years, for seven years, and other churches. When I said I was going to certain countries, I had to go to Turkey. I had to go into Ukraine when war was breaking out there. And I had people that say they're spirit-filled. A lot of them, my friends, look at me and say, why in the world? Would you want to go there and risk your life? I can't believe it. It's supposed to be people of faith. I'm not trying to do something stupid. But friend, if we go with God, God can make a way if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to rise up and recognize that we're not to be belligerent, not to be ignorant, we're to be loving and kind. 
But at the same time, let's not swallow everything and give in everything, but believe that we can have a voice under the love of God, that we can penetrate and we can do something beyond what we can even imagine. Because if God's before us, who can stand against us? But we'll never do it without the Holy Spirit. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is not just an add-on to what we call the Trinity. The Holy Spirit was given to us that we would have authority and power that we could stand up and do what we never thought we could do. Speak when we thought we could never speak. Have thoughts come that we never thought of. There's been times I was preaching and while it's coming out of my mouth, I'm saying, where did that thought come from? I never heard that before because when the Holy Spirit's upon you, something will rise within you and the floodgates will open and God will do something great in the hearts of each and every one of us. He wants to rain down on us and do something in every one of our hearts. Amen? Because with the power of the Spirit, it changes everything. I'll get rid of all my drinking water. Go fill it up somewhere. Amen. I just want to wake you up a little bit. You doing okay? Amen. I'm trying to. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Preparation before Pentecost. There are four things I want to bring out of the book of Acts that have to happen before we get to chapter 2. That was part of preparation. We prayed the first one in verse 4. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in a room for the Holy Spirit to come. They had no idea what that looked like, what was going to happen. But what he said when he used the word wait, he said, I want you to wait with expectation." expect something we have no idea they did not know how many days are going to be there they didn't know it was going to be one day 10 days 20 days 50 days 100 days but they came with expectation i'm trying to tell you tonight i could preach a whole sermon this but because i got to go and listen to me god wants us to come into church if it's a monday night or a sunday with expectation don't you come in and say to the worship team you better stir me up or preacher you better get a hold of me and serve me up you need to come thank you you need to come with expectation i come in god's about to do something great i'm ready i can't wait to get on my feet my hands are going up the air i'm going to sing i'm going to rejoice i'm going to shout hallelujah why because i come with expectation and when you come with expectation you'll be amazed what God can do expectation in the room I preached in all hundreds and hundreds of churches and I tell you there's a major difference you preach in a church with an expectation something's going to happen something's going to take place something's going to happen they weren't just hanging around in lazy boy chairs they were waiting with expectation. I tell you, something great's going to happen. I'm here to tell you, in 2016, where everything seems to be on the skids, I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. I serve a God who sent His Spirit that no matter what they try and tell us, uh, there's an anointing that can come upon us that we can see the world turned around. Why? Because the best is yet to come. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit that can make a difference. I'm trying to get down inside of you to stir you up and shake you, to believe that this is our moment and our time, not to sit back and become dead, but become alive. The church outside, or not the church, but the people outside don't want to come and look at a dead church. They want to know there's something alive and that what we have has transformed and changed our lives. That we get so excited about it that we cannot help but spread it because there's a spirit of expectation. I came tonight with expectation. I gave my best yesterday, and I'll be honest with you, I was tired all day today. 
But he said, God, I'm not giving into that. I'm coming with the expectation that you brought those people together on a Monday night, not just to be religious, but I have an expectation you want to do something to stir people's heart and revive something in their spirits. Why? Because there's still a spirit of expectation that God wants to bring upon each and every one of us. Well, Pastor, Dad, you don't know what I've gone through. Well, tootie toot toot. You don't know what I've gone through. We've all gone through something, but we still have the Holy Spirit that wants to come and work within our lives to make a difference. Number one, verse four, they gather with expectation. Number two, they embrace the more factor. He said, you've been baptized in, by water by John, but what is coming, you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They recognized there was more. There was more. It wasn't ending with John's baptism of water, but there's another baptism coming. They embraced it. They said, come and let it come. Let it come. We're ready for it. I'm here to tell you again. I've said it three times. We've gone through some difficult times in our country and in the church, but I'm here to tell you we're embracing more. There's something more God's going to do. That he's going to walk into the church. He's going to walk into our lives. And the greatest is yet to come. Why? Because there's more that God wants to do he's not going down the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church but God's going to do something deep down inside of us preparation live with expectancy number two when you come to church don't just say God I just want to put a couple dollars in the tank that I can make it home say God I come in my day my heart desire is God fill her up fill her up to overflowing I'm not going to work on money just with enough to survive. I'm going with enough to make a difference. I'm going to believe that whatever God wants to do in my life, he's going to use me to do it. And supernatural things will happen when we come with the Spirit, believing that God wants us to embrace more. There's more, friends. There's more. I've heard the report of what man said, but there's still the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is something I'm going to do. And we got to get hold of it and believe it. Why? Because there's a city like Moncton that's waiting for someone to break out and say, hey, there's more than living in despair. There's more going home and saying, is this all there is? Because God wants to do something great in each and every one of our lives. Number three, we find in verse eight, here's my, my, my word for it, because I believe it's important. You've got to embrace the assignment. The assignment, listen to me now carefully. I love times when God blesses us. But that's not the assignment. The assignment is to go on into the whole world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. God brings us to church to bless us that we can go to be a blessing. Before Pentecost even fell, he said, I'm sending you forth to Jerusalem, to Judea, to all the parts of the world, the othermost parts of the earth, that you might preach the gospel. You might not be a preacher like I've been called to do, but everybody can be a witness of the gospel to make a difference. I was flying out a while back to Edmonton to speak. I got on the plane, I sat in the seat, I was in the seat in the aisle, the guy was sitting beside me. And I recognized right away the guy was shaking. And he had a brown paper bag. Probably most of you know, I don't have to try to identify, you know, you have a brown paper bag. And I said, how you doing, buddy? He said, yeah. He said, man, I get nervous. I get on this plane. He said, I got this bottle of orange juice in here. I knew there was no more than a bottle of orange juice. 
And every time we got on the air, and that plane would just shake a little bit. He said, man, I get so scared in these planes, I don't know why I get on them. And they would shake again, he'd take another shot. And every time, shake again, take another shot. I looked at him and said, sir, I'm not one bit scared. You're not. You're not scared? I said, no, not a bit. I've been in some major times. I've been in some times I thought the plane was not going to stay up in the air. You're not scared? I said, no. He said, how come you're not scared? That's the terrible thing to say to a person like me. I said, I'll tell you why I'm not scared. I got somebody living inside of me that's bigger than me that protects me and watches over me. And I, this plane can't go down until God's finished with me. Well, who is that that lives inside of you? I said, would you like to know? And he said, yeah. I said, well, it's Jesus. Who's Jesus? I had an opportunity. Plane shook again. I began to talk to him about the power of Jesus. That man began to break. Right there in the plane, everybody around us was able to lead him to the Lord. And I'm telling you, friend, it's not because I'm so great. It's because of the power of the Spirit of God. We can make a difference in people's lives because God's anointed us. Amen? The fourth thing for preparation is invaluable for this church. It's for every church, but because I'm speaking, I'm going to speak to this church. I need five men to come up here right now. I need five guys real quick. Come on, five. Don't be scared. I'm not going to do I want you to form a circle. You know, hold hands. Okay, just a big circle. Make them spread it out. Come in right in here like this. Now spread it out as far as you can. Okay, like that. Now, now let this go. No, hold on, you guys. Let this go. Okay. Just stay there. The fourth point of preparation for what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2 that I believe is probably one of the most significant things that God's trying to bring forth in every church, and I'm going to talk to this church tonight because I'm here and I want to talk and help you. The fourth one was someone had to complete the circle. Nobody ever talks about this. Somebody had to complete the circle. Why? Because the man that stood and filled this gap was Judas. There were 12, and he, he went out and betrayed Jesus, and when he saw what happened, he went out and committed suicide and killed himself. So there was a gap. And so starting, I think, in verse 14 or 15 of chapter 1, Peter says, the Bible prophesied in the Old Testament that it was going to happen, but that we have to choose another to take Peter's place. Are you with me thus far? We've got to choose another one. So they decided that they would pick amongst them Two that they thought would fill the hole. So one's name was Matthias, and the other was Barsabbas. And they cast lots in those days. They put it in a basket or whatever, and they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. Now, in that room of 120, just like a church, there were some there that probably wanted Barsabbas to take that position. We call it a deacon or an elder. But it fell to Matthias. And that crowd that wanted Barsabbas could have said, well, my guy didn't get in, so I'm not going to cooperate. Just what happens today. We don't get a guy in for our, on our board that we thought should or whatever. Churches start to get upset about it. My guy didn't get in there, so I'm not going and, to. And now watch, this is all set up for something. But Matthias got in. And all that Matthias did was come, and he was chosen to close the circle. Watch this now, close the circle. 
We never, just stay there. We never hear that he did anything great. We never hear he went to other parts of the world and spread the gospel. We never hear he became an evangelist. We never hear any great signs and wonders and miracles. We hear nothing about him. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He did nothing that we would think was great. And yet he did. He never started a church. He never became evangelist. He never went like, was it Thomas? Uh, that went, uh, Thomas, I think, went to India. He never did anything. All he did was this. But that was his call upon life. Because when he did this and, and closed the circle, we immediately enter into chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the word fully means there that the circle is tight again. Something has closed the circle that God can do something from heaven to penetrate the earth. Listen to me. You might be a gray-haired old grandma tonight that doesn't have the strength to go in the world to make a difference. But if you're the one that's called just to join the circle, you can bring a release in a church and do what you never thought and be greater than even a Billy Graham whatever because you complete the circle that God could move in and do something great. When the circle's complete, Pentecost came. Pentecost came. Because somebody completed the circle i wonder how many revivals are not happening in moncton because god's waiting in different churches in the city for some person that thinks they're insignificant has nothing really to give that would come in in prayer just complete the circle that heaven could open up and god could do something great are you with me you could be that person god could be waiting for you you just come to your pastor and say pastor I, I, I don't have a lot to give, but I'm just going to complete the circle that God's going to do something within our midst. Completing the circle. Completing the circle. I don't have anything great to give, but I completed the circle. Thanks. My point is this. Pentecost could not come until there was a spirit of expectation, a desire in the hearts of everyone for more, that they would embrace the assignment and that somewhere somebody would complete the circle. The greatest onslaught is not the powers of hell. The greatest thing that we have against is that somebody is not completing the circle. That if we complete the circle, God can do supernatural things. And Pentecost came. Now watch this. Now we're into Acts chapter 2. We doing okay? Now we're into Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we said, and the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all in one, one place and one accord. One, one accord in one place. Is that what it not says? See, what we need to understand now, they're in one accord in one place. What got them in one accord in one place was that because they all had expectation, they all embraced the more factor, they said the assignment is to go in the world and make a difference, and they closed the circle that's now we're in unity, it can happen. As they closed the circle, the ones in one bar said, it doesn't matter anymore. God put Matthews there, and we're getting on board, and we're going to put our weight behind, and we're going to go with it. It's going to have our finances. It's going to have our gifting. It's going to have everything we have that we can make a difference. Pentecost was fully come. They're all in one place and in one accord, or one accord in one place. Let me talk about that for a moment. One accord is a spirit, not the spirit, but a spirit that comes upon something that makes something happen. 
One accord is mentioned 12 times in the, Old, in the New Testament. The majority of them is mentioned in the negative, not the positive. Let me give you one real quick. When they went to stone Stephen, they stood around and he preached a strong message. And they said, and they all got in one accord to stone him. Let me illustrate how this. Anybody work for the post office? I hope not because I might get stoned here myself tonight, okay? But have you ever noticed, I'll just use an illustration. You can have the best of neighbor that lives beside you and he works for the post office. Well, it could be anything else, but I'm using the post office. You would leave your house with him. He'll take care of everything and take care of your daughter when you go on holidays, whatever. But you turn on the TV one night and you're shocked by what you see because you see him on the, t- on the evening news where he's on the picket line now and someone's trying to cross the picket line and this wonderful neighbor of yours is throwing bricks through windshields of trucks. And you can't, I can't, what's John doing? Hey, he's such a nice gentleman. What's he doing? What happened is he got in one accord with the Spirit. He's still a good neighbor, but he got in one accord with the Spirit. That's why when people get in gangs and do things they'll never do by themselves, they get into a spirit. And it says they're in one accord, but in this case, they got in one accord with a, with a spirit that releases an energy surge which brought heaven into the earth in one accord. They were all in one accord. The power of agreement. That we open ourselves and say, God, this is our moment. They all were in one accord. Number two, and in one place. When the Bible talks up here, at one place, it's not just talking about a geographical place, it's talking about another place. A place that maybe you and I identify with. Because I've had this happen many times when I counsel people. I say, well, how you, what's, what's going on? Well, they'll say, I'm at a place where I'm so discouraged and defeated, nothing's working out. I'm at a place where nothing happens good for me. I'm at a place where everything is wrong. I'm at a place that nobody likes me. And what God was saying, that there's not only a spirit of one accord that can bring transformation, but we're in one place, and that 120 got in one accord and got in one place in total agreement, and when they got in agreement, there came an outpouring of the power of God where heaven came into the earth. Now watch this. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. We're doing okay? You guys need a soaking over here? I'm just kidding. I'm doing as fast as I can. Got them in one accord. We got them in one place. Now we find something happens. And there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now watch this, watch this. And it filled the house. Now let me stop for a moment. Do you know what my problem is? I'm in a lot of churches where people want the house filled that they have a good church, but they don't want to be filled themselves. The house was filled. The whole house. Then it goes on, it says, and it fell on them, or it filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I'm out of the ministry now, in a sense, I'm a church pastor, so I can say this. I had people in my church that never want the Holy Spirit fall on them, but they were mad at me all the time when we didn't have the Holy Spirit falling in the church. They said, oh, the church is dead, there's nothing here. Well, they never, they never, I never saw them at the altar saying they wanted more of God, but they wanted to make sure it was in the house. Listen, my friend, the house has to be filled, but we have to be filled too. You hearing me? Now, I could stay here for a while, but I can't. It filled the house, then it filled them. Filled. 
fill her up. Fill her up. He didn't say, I'm going to give you enough just to dabble, do you? God wants to give you enough to make a difference. It filled the house, but it filled them. The filling there is it says the house. Watch this now. When you see the word house there, it means several things. When it talks about the house, it means your home. Gentlemen that are married, what fills your house? What's filling your house? Animosity? Friction? Division? What fills your house? So when we talk about house, it represents your home, but it also represents the place that God's give you as a sphere of influence to make a difference. That we go to our place to work, it's like our, it's our, it's, it's our place of a house. It's where we are all called to do what we're called to do. Some of you might never be able to go to India like I do in all the countries of the world. You're not maybe called to do that. But your place is where God's put you in a, in a manufacturing place, in an office somewhere. That's in your house where you have to release the Holy Spirit to do something with it there. You with me? But it also means you. You're a house. Another word is used in the temple. Jesus said, I want to come and dwell in the temple. He's not talking about a temple made out of brick and clay. He's talking about, I want to come and dwell within you. So when we see it filled the house, he said it said filled the whole house. He doesn't want to come into a little room that you have in a back room, but you keep everything else that you want to do yourself. He wants to take over the whole house, the whole room, every room. He wants to come in and saturate every part of your life. The reason we run and struggle, we want Jesus on Sunday morning, but we want to do what we want to do starting Monday through to Saturday night. He said, I want to come into your whole house. He said, I want to fill your whole house with the power of the Spirit of God. I want to change everything within you to fill the whole house. Well, what's the house supposed to be filled with? Number one, we need to recognize this because I believe it's important. The house has to be filled with fire. See, here's what I have people say to me. I want the baptism that Jesus had. What was Jesus' baptism? He went down to the river and he got baptized in water. And then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit himself. His baptism was that a dove came and hovered over him. So I have Christians say, I don't want this fire business. I want a dove. You will never have a dove experience. The only reason Jesus had a dove experience because he had no sin. You need fire. You need the fire to burn out a fire. We live where there's forest fires, and when they can't control a big fire that's trying to control you and devour you, they go down line and they start another fire. Then when that fire comes along, that fire will put out that fire. The Holy Spirit comes in you to put out the fire of the lust and the greed and the things that want to take you out. God said, I'll handle that. I'll fill you with the fire of the Holy Spirit, and it'll burn those things out of you if you'll just let that fire start. So you can't be filled with a dove. Tiptoe through the door. Dove, come. You're not going to get a dove. You're going to get fire. It's going to burn and singe those things out of you that that fire's trying to destroy. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes. And there's a lust spirit that comes upon you that you know shouldn't be there. You can't handle it. You let the fire of the Holy Spirit come. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, it gives you authority over the fire that's trying to wipe you out. Some of you that might be having marriage struggles. Oh, we hide that in the church, but there's a lot of that goes on too. Goes on too. 
What you need when that fire breaks out, I don't know if I want to live with this woman anymore. I don't know if I want this man anymore. You need to release the fire of the Holy Spirit. And he'll burn that fire out that you can love that one that God put in your life. And there can be a restoration and God can do something great. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit with fire can burn those things out that you can't do by yourself. That you can be free. And then we go in the world and we can declare what he did for me, he can do for you. What did he do for you? Well, my marriage is about to break up and God sent fire. And the fire burned out my desires. It burned out my lust that I could be free. If you got a bad attitude in church, all you need, you got a bad attitude, you don't like the pastor, I don't like the way the church is going, we stood too long, that pastor Ted's preaching too long, what you need is a fire. When fire comes, it burns out the fire that we might be released to do what God's called us to do. So number one, our house has to be filled with fire. All the time. Filled with fire. Fire is important. We need to have it within our lives that God can make a difference in each and every one of us. It's important to have fire. That's why when Jesus was introduced by John, he said he'll come and baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. We need the fire. Secondly, we need sound. And said, and the sound filled the house. I've already mentioned it. Let me ask you this. What sound fills your house? What sound fills it? There's a sound that he wants to fill it with. The sound that builds something. Do you know how many homes I've invited into as, as a pastor where I saw that they had, they had maybe about two DVDs of some Christian stuff and they had walls decked with every movie that's out there and then wonder why there's struggles in their homes wonder why there's rebellion in their kids wonder why things are not going right because they introduce another sound in their house that devours and destroys and God knew that there's a temptation now listen to me watch much parents you need to listen to me sound to our young people does not just attract it's been given to bring influence into the lives of things that they don't even understand, but because it's out of hell, it wants to devour and destroy. What sound is in your house? I preached on this one time, and I tell you, I could not believe in our church a few years ago. I put a great big barrel outside. I said, tomorrow night, we're coming with all the trash that's in our homes. I'm telling you, boxes and boxes of DVDs came and records and whatever that was out of hell. We had a fire just blazing. We burned it all up. Why? Because right down the day that we live, you better know, you have to have a sound in your house that comes from above. It's the sound that sets the captive free. It's the song, sound that gives a song. It's the sound that will do what you never thought anything else could do. We need to come back to a place. In the church, we don't need fancy music. We need a sound. When the sound from heaven comes into the house, it's going to radiate into our lives and change the church. It's a sound that's going to bring healing. It's a sound that's going to bring deliverance. It's a sound that's going to change everything. Why? Because it's a sound that comes from heaven. And like a mighty wind, it comes like a rushing sound and enters in the house. Oh God, my prayer is do it again because God, we can't do it without the sound. The sound is for influence. Why do you think the devil uses music to get our kids? Because he knows there's a power in it to influence. To influence. When Pentecost came, there was fire to deal with the flesh. I wish I could go into that. Let me give you this one point. I missed it. Back in Genesis chapter 6, 
Go back a little bit farther in Genesis. said when God created man, God put his spirit within him and man became a living soul. Chapter 6, he says, now man is not a living soul anymore. He's become flesh. That's why we had the flood. Man has become flesh. God recognizes something had to change. And God put fire in because fire burns out fire. That God can do something and God did not leave us. So we are number three. We need speech. What does your talking sound like? You defeated all the time? Well, that's never going to work. That's not going to happen. But your speech. The reason we are filled with the Holy Spirit with initial heavens and speaking in tongues because this God is so great and so magnificent and so wonderful that when you try and worship him, he's so beyond the words of our vocabulary of our language that he gives us another tongue, that you don't know what you're saying, but you're going into a whole different dimension, that when you begin to speak in other tongues, you're magnifying glory in God. That's why we tell our people when you come up against something, speak in that unknown language, because when you do, you rise to a higher level. You start to do something in the unseen realm. You start to pull down powers and principalities, and we look at it as just like a hundred mashanda. I'm telling you, it's more than that. It's something that God gave you that he's so great he's so magnificent he's so wonderful that you can't even express it with the words we have in english or in french so he gives you another language that you don't understand but it beckons heaven it calls heaven to come to earth why because we need our speech changed that's why james goes on and says watch your mouth watch your mouth i wonder how many times we have damned ourselves with our own mouths God said, hey, I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm going to put something within you, another speech. Secondly, it gives you boldness. Have it in places where I was up against the corner and didn't know what to say. Number one, you have another unknown language you can speak. Number two, he'll put words in you that you stand up. I tell you, I've got back, gone back home and said, where did all that come from? God put words in my mouth that I could go beyond the ordinary and speak into a situation that brought healing and deliverance. Why? Because when we trust in the Holy Spirit, we go beyond ourselves. We will never be able to stand up to the world and what has hit his money. I was just speaking in Las Vegas. I was invited to a church there. I walked down the strip as they put me in a hotel there, and I began to weep. I said, God, there's no way we can ever come. They have the best of best there. Whatever money can buy, it's the best. But then something come on me and said, hey, they might have all the money to buy the best, but we got something they don't have. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that can make a difference. We don't have to bow down and give in. We have an anointing upon us. I begin to walk down that strip and take authority. I bind powers and principalities. I take my authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder what would happen if we walked through Moncton and said we have authority. I might not have all the gold and silver, but I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take away. I've got the anointing of the Spirit of God because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Makes a difference within my life. Friend, we can't sit and be Pentecost on the outside and not have it on the inside. We've got to believe that God wants to awaken something in our spirits. So we need fire. Oh God, we need fire. Let the fire come. Let it come. Burn things out. They're trying to burn us up. That we might be set free to the glory of God. To do great and mighty things. Because God wants to push you into a place where you can do great and mighty things for the glory of God. I'll close with this. I was speaking in Sweden. 
I had to catch a flight to go into Scotland. I was starting there. My wife was with me in this trip, and we flew into Edinburgh, and I had to go to Dundee to speak. We got in the car with the people that picked us up to take us to the city of Dundee. The first thing that came out of the mouth of the driver from the church was, the Queen of England's coming to Dundee this afternoon. That didn't mean a lot to me. Who cares? But my wife, I got to see her. I got to see her. I said, Gloria, there'll be so many people downtown there that we'll never even get. I got to see her. I've seen her, another, I've seen her on TV. I, I, I just got to see her. And I was saying, oh, Lord. I had to, why now I needed to have a, a Holy Ghost speech that I don't get out of control here, right? And she just kept at me. And so finally, they, I said, okay, I'll go. I didn't want to go one little bit. Now, I'm not down the queen, but that stuff doesn't thrill me one little bit. But anyway, she said, I got to see her. So I told the guy, well, let us off from the street. And he let us off, and the barricades were all up. She hadn't come yet. They're getting ready for it. And the crowd was probably back from the barricade from that wall to here, wall to wall, all the way down both sides of the street, both sides. And so we got there, and we stood there, and I recognized, man, we're not going to see a whole lot. Now, my wife is five foot one and a half. If there's one thing I've heard my whole life, everywhere it's in church, wherever we go, I can't see. I can't see. You have no idea how many times I've gone and sat down in a place, and she'd sit down, I can't see. I'd have to get up and move to another place. I'd just sit down, I can't see. I can't see. I, I tell you, some big guy comes, I can't see. I can't. I've lived with that my whole life. And so we got in the back of that line waiting for the queen to come, and she's standing there looking at me. I can't see. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? I can't see. There's no use being. I said, I told you that. We shouldn't have come. I can't see. I can't see. So come here, Glory. Help me out here. Come on. Come on. Come on. She's got high heels on tonight, so she's a little bit more than five foot, one and a half. But I can't see. Now, my personality is different than hers. And so I said, you stand in front of me and don't move until I tell you to move. So she stood in, I, 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 she stood in front of me and I stood like this. And she's looking around at everything, but I'm watching who's in front of me. And there was a lady standing in front of her. She had children. And she turned sideways to do something with the child and left me six inches, and I was up a little bit farther. The woman turned around and I had her spot. Now Gloria's still looking around, looking at the stores, whatever. I'm there, and I'm just watching in front of me. And there's a couple there, and they dropped something on the ground. He turned to get it. I'm up again. Now I don't have time tonight to tell the old story. I'm about that far back, and I kept just watching that. I had one assignment, and I was going to carry it out. And every again, I kept going until I had her. I had her right up almost to the barricade. And there's a guy there. I'm not kidding you. It must have been about 300 pounds. He was leaning over the barricade like this. And Gloria said, I can't see. There's no use. I, I'm no better off here in the back. And I said, just hold on. Just stay in front of me. Because I knew that big lug wasn't going to stay like that for that long. And a plane flew over the air, and he turned and looked at it, and we are right at the front. 
I got her right to the front. The queen got out of her car and the, and the prince and walked right down the right front of her. And she was right there. Why am I telling you? Thank you. You did good. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because, friend, there's something you got to do. When you recognize that the Holy Spirit comes within you, you don't become ignorant, but you recognize there's going to be some shifts. And when the shift takes place, you take a step. You move forward and believe as you do that God's going to do something in your life. He's going to do something in your church. He's going to revive Moncton. He's going to do something in the nation. Why? Because we're pushing ourselves ahead for the glory of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. There my wife stood. You see, I talked Sunday morning because I'm putting it all together now. Sunday morning I talked about desire. Where's your desire? Last night I talked about hungry. How hungry are you? See, she's so polite, she'd have stood there and growled at me. But I was hungry to get to the barrier. And I was going to get there one way or another. That she could at least have a first-hand look at the queen. But I had to keep pressing and pushing and make myself get there. I've come to talk to you tonight, friend. God said, I'm about to say again, fill her up. Fill her up with the Spirit of God. That God can do supernatural things in your life to change, to revive, and restore. If we just let him. What about you tonight? What's holding you back from the barricade? Christian, where is he? What's holding you back? This friend, I wanted to close tonight. Will you come and get your fill? Why? Because we need the fire. Oh, God, we need fire. Fire changes everything. We need our speech changed. We need God to do something supernatural there. So we need the sound. We need a sound from heaven. And everywhere I go, I'm saying, God, let the sound come. Like a mighty rushing wind. To do something in us. And I'm finding right now, every time, the times with God, I'm saying, fill her up, Lord. Fill her up. Because I can't do what God's called me to do without a filled life. And I'm asking God to accelerate and increase it. So before Ted Hughes' life comes to an end, that I can do what he's called me to do, because I did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, walk into this place by your spirit. Come like a mighty wind. We have laughed tonight. Maybe we've been sobered by things that privately go on in our own hearts. That we just accepted it, but tonight there's something I can change. 
because there's one greater than me that can come dwell inside of me. I hear a sound. Father, may that sound slip down through these aisles and come into these seats. Some of us in this room tonight, we love God, but we've become weary. Weary of the struggle. Weary of prayers that maybe have not been answered. Just weary. Some of you have gone through a battle where it seemed like things were not fair. It's left you broken. In fact, it's even left you with words that I wonder if God really loves me and God wants to do something in my life or he's just walking away from me. There's a man here tonight that there's times you said, why am I still living with this woman? There's been temptations to bail out. God told me to tell you tonight you're still with her because God brought her into your life. And what you can't do, the Holy Spirit can. There's another woman here tonight that you are in a marriage, but there's a bitterness in your heart. Towards that man that sleeps in your bed every night, but there's a bitterness, something went astray maybe a few years ago, and you're still together, but the bitterness is paralyzing. And sometimes in church you've even said, listen to me, you said even in church, Lord, I know that shit not right and I should get rid of it, but it just seems like it will not go. You can't make it go outside of the power of the Spirit of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit's here tonight. To move that bitterness out. I don't know how many here tonight, might be a few, several, I don't know, but I just feel like I gotta say this. Some of you that several years ago you got hurt in a church. It might have been by somebody, a pastor, whatever. You know it's right to serve God, you never walked away from it, but that bitterness in your heart has held you captive that you never could receive. You know there's more, but you just felt you couldn't enter into it. The Holy Spirit's here tonight and says, I'll take care of it. If you'll just lay it down. Some of you are hurt tonight because of a divorce that took place. You seem to come out of, the, out of it on the, on the bad side of it. God's saying, I want to bring my spirit. Bring healing and restoration in your life. There's a broken mom and dad here because of a child that said, I don't want anything to do with your Christianity. It's torn you apart. You walk between frustration and anger, and God is saying, I want to walk into your life tonight. I want to bring my spirit into the whole house and bring healing and restoration. I could go on, there's probably a whole lot of things, but friend, we're closing tonight with what might not look like a triumphant time because I know how to preach sermons to get us all shouting and hollering. 
but I want to leave Moncton that something happened in your life because of the Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit walk into this place. Give us the courage to be honest. Give us the strength to say we'll let go. And give us the power to overcome where we can't do it ourselves. But whatever you do, Holy Spirit, don't let us leave this building the way we came in. Our heads are bowed. Just I want you to just think of some worship song, whatever. I'm not going to plead and beg. But friend, it's bigger than you. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Just come to this front. You say, oh, Pastor Ted, why do I have to go to the front? Because it's a sign that you're desperate or you're willing to make a move. Jesus many times said, come. And if you come in your brokenness, in your hurt, from the balcony, the Lord Auditorium. You say, well, I'm a deacon. I've been doing this for and this all my life. That don't matter tonight. We're coming because we're saying, Lord, fill it up. Do something fresh within my spirit. Don't let the moment pass.